0: To the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Upstairs in Big Church, we want to open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. Today is Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, these are palm branches right here. Jesus. Rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now this occurred on Sunday, which back in um, that would have been the right after the Sabbath. So it's their first day of the week back in Bible times. And this is his last week on earth before his crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus is crucified on a Friday, so the disciples and all the people are thinking, "Jesus, who's riding into Jerusalem?" He's going to become the next king of Israel. He's going in there to do great things for their nation, to push back Rome and to restore the place. And the people were waving these palm branches as uh, a way of great honor and anticipation of what Jesus is going to do. But Jesus, as we all know, and what we're going to see here, Jesus is not going to become the king as they think. He's going to become the king over our lives and die on the cross. And then on Sunday to be resurrected. So that is what today is. It is Palm Sunday, an important day in the leading up to Easter. Next Sunday is what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. It's a time where you want to be thinking about you know, making your plans to attend next week. Invite your family, a lot of your family members, your children, your grandchildren. They will be open to an invitation of coming on Easter because people just know that's what you do, of course, as Christians. You go to, certainly go to church on Easter, because that is the foundation of our faith. So I want to encourage you this week to ask the Lord, says God, who can I invite, who can I bring to church and invite someone to Easter this coming week here? It's going to be a powerful Sunday of uh, celebrating the resurrection. So this morning, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be reading the story here of the crucifixion. That's when Jesus was on this cross right here. And then also the death about how Jesus died on a cross and the significance of this event. This occurred. As you remember, we've been looking at uh, the scenes of leading up to Easter the past few weeks. It was on Thursday night that Jesus had his what we call the Last Supper, his final meal, with his disciples. Right after that, he goes into a garden uh, right outside Jerusalem called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is arrested. And uh, Peter uh, tried to fight back, drew his sword, but Jesus explained, we're not here, that's not my kingdom. It's not one of fighting. So Jesus finds himself in trial in front of the Sanhedrin and then in front of Pilate. And he's condemned by Pilate. And he's sentenced to crucifixion. And Jesus was actually crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning on Friday. That's when he was nailed to a cross. So that's where we're going to pick up here in our Bibles. We want to follow along and see what the Lord has to say to us and remember the importance of this event because Jesus is doing this for you and I. And we can never take this story we're about to read for granted. Think about it. Even if there was only one human being on earth, and that one human being sinned, God would still send His Son Jesus to die for that one human being. That's all it would take. One sin and one human being. Why is that? Because there is no other way. In order for us to be forgiven, God is the one who has to remove and take the sins. Remember, what is the crucifixion? It is the exchange. When we sin, when we do something wrong, we are guilty before God. God cannot allow guilty people into heaven. He can't. Heaven is perfect, heaven is pure, it's holy. There's nothing unclean or uh, immoral, anything wrong in heaven. It is the New Jerusalem revealed to us in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. The last two chapters of the Bible. So what happens is the only way for a person who's a sinner, who's created the image of God, for him to go to heaven is to have someone, Jesus, take their place. So God is doing this exchange on Friday, on Good Friday. And that is when He takes our sin because he was worthy and is able to because He is perfect and He is holy and He has never sinned. So all it takes is one sin and one person for Jesus to have to die on the cross. And He did that. That is why this event this week is so significant. It is the foundation of how we are forgiven so ultimately we can be saved. So if you are here this morning, and let's just say you've been presented with the opportunity to get saved. And you've rejected that. What you are essentially telling God, when you say, no, I, I'm going to pass. I'm not going to become a follower and a believer in Jesus. I'm not going to receive the gift by grace that God has given me. You are telling the Lord that I know another way. That's what you're really just told. I know another way to heaven. Whatever that way is, it doesn't lead to heaven. But you're telling the Lord you know another. Something else. You have some additional information that that you're going to use as your tool to get into heaven, and it will not work. Jesus made it very clear that He is the only way to heaven. This what we what we read this morning is central to what it means to be saved and who we are as Christians in our identity in Christ. So here we are in our Bibles. I want you to follow along. Matthew, chapter 27, verse 32. Bible tells us, As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced him to carry his cross. Jesus was so weak, so tired, he was just slowly carrying the cross. This man named Simon is sentenced from the crowds to carry the cross. Because Jesus was struggling doing it. And we have to remember, you can say, Pastor, uh, Jesus was God. He could do anything. But He was also a human. He was fully God and fully man. And carrying a cross was incredibly heavy. It was challenging. Obviously, you had just been beat. And now He's trying to carry this. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave Him wine mixed with gall to drink. But when He tasted it, He refused to drink it. Why would they give Jesus wine? This was to null the pain. Because He's in such excruciating pain, they're giving Him this to uh, have any type of relief. But Jesus wanted to bear the full brunt of the crucifixion, endure all the pain, so He rejected it. That's why He said no. He's turning down any type of medicine. After crucifying Him, they divided His clothes by casting lots. Then they sat down and were guarding Him there. Above His head, they put the charge against Him in the writing. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Now, this is the picture of the cross right here. and This is a very accurate picture of this cross of what a Roman cross looked like. The Roman cross was typically either a lowercase t or a capital T. But we know in Jesus' case, it was the lowercase t, and the reason why is when you were uh, sentenced to uh, crucifixion back in Jesus' time, you had to wear a sign around your neck as you're walking through the city, headed out because they crucified people right outside the walls of Jerusalem because you didn't want a dead person inside your city so you know they were maintaining their purity is right outside the walls so they would uh, crucify Jesus he had to walk through the city carrying his cross and he would carry a sign a placard that would state his crime and his crime is that he's the king of the Jews so what you would do is we know it was a lowercase t because of this bible verse because they took Jesus put him up on that cross And then they had to have enough room to nail the sign of his sentencing above him. And the goal of crucifixion was a deterrent. People are supposed to walk by and the community is supposed to see, well, I don't want to be a criminal. I don't want to go around claiming that I'm the king of the Jews or I will end up like that man right there. So the lowercase t, this is exactly what the cross looked like there was a sign hanging above His head. In many ways, right above that, uh, right above that uh, thorn, crown of thorns, we should put a sign. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. That's what it would have looked like. Then two criminals were crucified with Him. One on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults to Him, shaking their heads. It's easy to mock people when they're nailed to a cross. When folks are down, it's easy to uh, remind them that they're criminals. And that's what's happening. He's nailed to a cross and people are insulting him. There's two other criminals that are with him. One on each side. So Jesus is in the middle. And we know in Luke's account of this, that one of those criminals trusted Jesus as his Savior. One of them started mocking Jesus from the cross, and the other one spoke up on Jesus' behalf and said, Hey, this this man has done nothing wrong jesus remember me in your paradise you 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 are we're guilty but you're not and you have the ability to save us and jesus looked over at that man and says today you will be with me in paradise today means we're both going to be dead in a matter of hours and we'll see each other again in heaven that man was saved on the cross and i've shared it before this is Actually, that's a testimony to baptism. He, that is the only person in the Bible who got saved and did not receive believer's baptism. Everybody else who was a believer was baptized. That's why you as a Christian, you need to receive believer's baptism. And again, why did the thief on the cross next to Jesus who got saved, he couldn't get baptized because he was nailed to a cross. So we see that, that man, even at your last minute, This is why it's so important. If you know of someone who's dying, if you know of someone who's very terminally ill, someone who's been diagnosed with um, uh, just terrible disease, you want to make sure you visit that person and you tell them even in their last hours, someone can get saved. This man on the cross next to Jesus, he got saved. You know, this is why it is so important that we take advantage of any and every opportunity of sharing the good news with someone. You know, there's actually somebody in our church, when they find out that they've been diagnosed with a terrible diagnosis, they purposely go and try to talk to them and share the good news, the gospel with them because they know they might only have a few weeks or a few months left. And you want to make sure that person's salvation is sealed under the blood of Jesus. And that thief on the cross is a reminder that it will happen. That we can get saved even at the last minute. It goes on to say here, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God come down from the cross. They're reminding him what Jesus said. Jesus, when He was there in the temple, and he walked into church one day and all of a sudden there was a, it was a business center. They were buying and selling. They were changing money. So what does he do? Jesus didn't ask permission a lot of times. He's one of these guys. He just did whatever. And you deal with a problem. He started flipping over the money changers' uh, tables and setting everything free. And the people are getting mad. thinking, who do you think you are? How dare you come in here and ruin all of our stuff? And Jesus says... And then they, well, they remind him, says, Hey, this is, this is the temple. You aren't allowed to come in here and do that. He says, Destroy this temple, meaning his body, and in three days I will r- raise it again. It will be restored in three days. And then they said, It took us 46 years to build this temple. And Jesus is speaking to them. This was in John chapter 2. He's speaking to them that he's saying, Look, I'm going to die in three days. I'm going to rise again. That's what he's talking about. And they remembered that. That, that statement bothered them because they're worried this guy's going to come back again. And That's also why we see when Jesus is placed in the tomb, they requested to Pilate, the chief priests go to Pilate and say, you know what, we need to seal this tomb because the disciples might come steal the body. I don't think they were worried about disciples. They were scared death Jesus was going to come back again. Keep going here in your Bibles. This is, this is the crucifixion. Verse 41, it says, In the same way, the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him and said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. They don't realize what they're saying, but by them making that statement, he is the king of Israel. They're using sarcasm as a way of mocking them but they're speaking the truth. Their words are actually testifying truth even though they're saying it sarcastically. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in Him. That statement, we will believe in Him? No, they wouldn't. If Jesus would have came down from the cross right now, they still would not have believed in Him because Jesus told them that their hearts were hard. When you have a hard heart, It doesn't matter if the Lord is standing in front of you. You will not believe. Jesus was God. He has been standing in front of these same Pharisees and chief priests for three years and teaching them, and they did not believe. Jesus did not accept their spiritual challenge. And I think a lot of times for us, what this is like is in our life, When someone maybe challenges us on our faith, when they say, Well, if if God is real, he'll give me this job, or he'll give me this spouse, or he'll He'll heal me of this disease. And we're told in the Bible, we do not and we shall not test the Lord in that way. God does not have to prove himself to us, he doesn't need to come down on a cross and say, Looky there, I came down. Now you believe in me. Any time you offer God a challenge, He by no means.